0: good morning everybody welcome to Wednesday on the Daily Huddle where we talk about all things relationships and communication Before we get started today uh, Terry you know I've just picked up woodworking and I've been building furniture right Well it's a really sad story this uh, woodworker he cut off his hand the left hand actually you know he went to the doctor and you know what the doctor said he's gonna be all right. <laughs>
1: The Daily Huddle is a growing tribe of passionate people who want to uplift humankind through their work and throughout their communities. We invite you to elevate the way you experience life through rich and inspiring conversations with today's thought leaders. Be prepared to challenge your views about leadership, health, money, spirituality, communication, and relationships. Welcome to The Daily Huddle.
0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, here we are. We have a wonderful guest today. I'm so grateful that you all are here with us right now, the only place that there ever is, the only time that there ever is. And I'm excited for what's to come. So Tara, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce Ben, and let's get
2: started. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, um, every once in a while, um, I invite a guest on to The Daily Huddle, but I think, you know what? It's a long shot. They're rubbing elbows with celebrities, but I'm going to give it a shot. And today we have one of those guests and his name is Ben Joya. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Ben and then we are going to let him um, bring some value to our time this morning. Ben is a four-time best-selling author, podcast and international radio show host. Mm -hmm. His teachings are used by more than 80 thousand leaders and game changers around the world. Ben helps folks write great books in as little as five weeks. Kill me now. (laughs) Enjoy five figure speaking fees and attract six figure consulting. And that's even before publishing. Ben's trained hundreds of millionaires. And interestingly, he helped a fortune 100 create an empathy video game, which I can't wait to hear about. Also, check this out, y'all, Ben helped launch the world's largest magazine, you've all seen it, AARP. And, last and for now, he won a Patient Services Award from the ALS Association for creating their first mindfulness program. Ladies and gentlemen, I am super honored to welcome Ben Joya. Welcome, Ben.
3: Oh, Tara, thank you so much. It's a, really an honor and a pleasure to be here. Honor that honor pleasure and privilege which is clearly easy for me to say um thank you so much
2: absolutely so um as i read your bio um i'm going to ask the question that i think probably is underneath a lot of people is you know who was ben before the magic on that bio so let's start there a little bit with your backstory like just tell us a little bit about ben before this amazing success story
3: yeah thank you I i appreciate that um Gosh, before the success story, there was a lot of mess, right? I was a big knucklehead for a really, really long time. And I say that with love and I say that with, you know, compassion to myself. But, um, you know, I used to do a lot of drugs for a lot of years. And, um, you know, drugs are tricky because if you're holding down a job and doing your thing, it's like, oh, I have no problem. Um, and then the problem sooner or, late, sooner or later finds its way to you <laughs> in a big way. Hopefully not, you know, it doesn't kill you, but... um. Yeah, I found my way to rock bottom at some point and decided. Uh, you know, I had been to India for a couple of months, one year, and, you know, funny story, if you will, of facing death four times in 72 hours, which I'll actually talk about another time. <laughs> um, but I went back to India, you know, during this or as a result of this rock bottom experience. You know, what can I do? What can I do? Let me go back to India. And I ended up volunteering. Um, Living in the Himalayas with a family farming barley of all things, like wow, who who does that, right? (laughs) You know, um, apparently these people up in northern India do. And at the end of that trip, I did a nine-day trek, or you know, in other words, a hike through the Himalayas. And knucklehead was you know still happening for me. I showed up with, or I should say, without, good hiking boots. I had a pair of hiking boots, but they were an absolute mess, you know, almost like smooth as silk on the bottom. I said, This is not a good idea. You know, tried to get new boots. Nobody has a size 13 US, you know, in Northern India. Got the boots fixed, and the fixings led to the two biggest uh, blisters on each of my Achilles tendons at the beginning of the nine day hike. And we're hiking like six to eight hours a day. We're going over a 16,000 foot high pass every other day. And I am miserable from the pain in my ankles every single step. And Ugh. I'm extra miserable from adding all the suffering of judgment and anger and how could you be such an idiot and. Da, 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 da. And then day six comes and I'm looking at the Hamaya. I'm like, wow, everything's so especially beautiful today. Why is it so beautiful? Like I'm not on drugs. I know that. Why is it so beautiful? And I realized that I had been um, much to my chagrin at the, you know <laughs> previously, forced into the present moment for like six days straight because of every single painful step and i suddenly went oh this is what they're talking about (laughs) this is why this works so well and the rest of the trip still hurt right still hurt quite a bit but the pain was in the background now right and i had taken away that suffering from my experience right the suffering is the choice the addition the self judgment the worry the anger the anxiety all that stuff and I just got into that place of wow this hurts back here but I can be present and really love what's right in front of me here.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, I think that we can sign off right now (laughs) and we're all inspired seriously that is just so powerful. Um, I I wonder if you mentioned the difference between pain and suffering, and can you—is there a connection to that discovery and your current focus, which is on empathy?
3: Uh, yes. Uh, thank you. There, there's actually a couple. Let me try to tie this all in, tie this all into a nice package, um, right? So I'm a big fan of empathy. Um, you know, empathy for leadership, for book writing, for making an impact with our messages. Right. So to be able to stand in someone's shoes, as they say, or look through their eyes, you know, have their that experience or at least, you know, touch into the experience of another human being, even if you don't have the direct experience. But, you know, somebody can have a, you know, something really difficult or something really joyous and you can, you know, empathize, you can connect with that, with them. Right. And you can communicate with better, you can lead with them better, you can lead better, all those kinds of things. And the suffering part comes in, and uh, uh, Tara, you and I hadn't talked about this uh, previously, but the suffering comes when you let empathy uh, kind of run amok. Mm. A lot of us do this, right? And and so many people don't talk about this, right? So empathy is fantastic, powerful, so many wonderful things, and too much empathy right, is that point when you're not holding your boundaries so well, right, and you let that other person's experience take you over, you take on that energy, you take on that grief, that anger, whatever that is, right, and many of us who are here in service in one shape, one way, shape, or form in the world, right, um, I'll speak for myself at least, right, uh, I was, you know, too much of a caregiver for so much of my life, right, and would take too much on, right, so I was, you know, navigating my own stuff and, you know, being very, you uh, Intuitive, like taking on another a lot of other people's stuff too. And what I learned from uh from the teachings of the Buddha, I think it was you know, some Tibetan teachers specifically, talked about you know moving from empathy into compassion, right? So all the goodness of empathy, right, all the efficacy of empathy and holding that space, you know, for your head and for your heart, right? Because if you don't take care of yourself, how can you take care of the people around you?
2: Thank you so much for putting that into words. And you're right, we didn't go there. And I, I kind of wanted to last time when we did our little prep talk, because I think that you're, I, I'm, I think that you're speaking to just millions of people who either personally relate or they have family members who relate. And I imagine that. And then we're going to definitely get around to your Stanford story and the magic side. But I imagine that because it touches, my son found alcohol because he was so much of an empath, he just could not cope. And I wonder if there was a connection to your drug use and your extreme natural empath tendencies.
3: Uh, I think so. Um, And from people I've spoken to over the years, professional and otherwise, I think so as well. Um, You know, the, the, you know, drug. Drugs can appear to be a beautiful thing, right? Because they give us a chance to step out of, you know, our mind in the moment suffering. And, yes, away from the suffering, and even if it's you know ultimately repressing the suffering, <laughs> right? It gives us a chance to step away, and you know, for I think there's a lot of us in our generation, and I'll you know expand that length of time quite a bit, you know, who are and still are highly intuitive, highly empathetic, but so few of our parents and teachers had any clue how to navigate any of that, right? So we're dealing with all of, like, the normal things, if you will, <laughs> and this whole other level of stuff that nobody, pardon me, very few people had the space to really hold, mm-hmm. right? So we have the, you know, hooray, the gift and opportunity to actually heal that at this point, point. and, you know, the beautiful thing about all of those difficulties, you know, is that the stuff we heal, we can turn around and know share the wisdom of that right share that hard-earned wisdom
2: yes yes thank you so and it feels like today and I'm putting words in your mouth so you can say no that's not what I do but after listening to you I feel like that you're now able to teach empathy as a superpower like really how to balance it to your advantage
3: yeah thank you I'll I'll take those words thank you those are great (laughs) um yeah, yeah, you know, it's, uh, I appreciate you saying that, because, you know, I, as some, several of you know, and have heard already, right, I help people write books, and mm-hmm. it's not just writing books, but it's writing books that help people tell their story, share their message, right, make an impact with their business, um, and I help people make sure that they're writing books that are going to work for their business, right, and this will all connect in a moment, <laughs> Um The most important thing you can do for your book, for your business, for your podcast, anything that you're creating, right, is talk to the people that you're making it for before you make it, so you make it right, so you make it in the way um, that they need it, right? So talk to your ideal clients about the book you're writing before you write it, so you have the lens and you can get it done and you know that the book is gonna work, right? So those conversations with your ideal clients, understanding their challenges and goals and dreams and fears and doubts and all that stuff, you know, what better platform and environment, you know, to cultivate empathy with people, to really, you know, listen and hear and understand and not coach and not advise and not do anything else, but just be a witness to the people that you serve, right? Get in, you know, in their head, in their experience, and then be able to express that, you know, literally the words, that they're mm-hmm. sharing with you in the pages of your book, you know, in your marketing, in your podcast, because when people hear those words, they're going to go, wow, you, know, you really get me, right? You know, you yeah. really understand what I'm
2: Absolutely. about. Right. That, I mean, what an important piece of communicating out to the world is to listen first. And that's what you're telling us to do is just listen, record, and make sure that you're speaking to what needs to be heard. So um, I do want to pivot to use an overused word, into the story that proves your ability to help people do what you did. And that's the phone call you got from Stanford. So give us a little background and tell us that story.
3: Yeah, thank you. So about uh, five years into my business, you know, things weren't going that great. And uh, I was pivoting my business to be called, let me use that word again, right, influence with a heart instead of marketing with a heart, which was which is what it was previously. So I update my, uh, LinkedIn profile, you know, literally just the business name. Somebody reaches out to me and they say, "Hey, we're hosting a two-day training uh, at Stanford University for visiting business people. Uh, people are going to, you know, tour around Silicon Valley to Twitter, to Google, to LinkedIn, and then they're going to come here. Do you want to do teach them for two days about leadership and influence?" And I was like, "Of course I do, right? <laughs> like, you know, big big coup." So we work it all out, we've signed the contract, we get everything lined up and person says, we're really excited to have you. I said, I'm really excited. I wanna make this really special for your people. I really make it memorable. I'm gonna show up with autographed copies of my brand new book for everyone in the audience and your staff, all right? So this is like 130 people and she's like, oh my God, that's amazing. They're gonna love it. I said, you're very welcome. We hang up the phone and I went, oh crap. I have to write that book that I just promised right now Because from the promise to the actual event, I had six and a half weeks. Crazy. Yes, exactly. I, you know. (laughs) So uh, constructed it, created it in three weeks, got it produced in three. Showed up to the event with autographed books, right? Expedited the heck out of everything. The event went great. The event planning company hired me for several more events. The company in the audience hired me to speak at their headquarters in Sydney, Australia the following year. Which was super cool, and then if we go back in time a minute, uh, as I was frantically creating the book, I had somebody um, design a three D digital version of the cover, right? Like, and this is what I say to my, all my authors: like, you know, start talking about the book you're writing before it's done, and leverage the fact that you're writing a book. And if you can design the cover, design the cover, right? So I designed the cover. I put it up on LinkedIn. Again, our friend LinkedIn. Right. And I said, look, I'm writing a book. Look, I'm writing a book. It's coming soon. Somebody else reached out and they're like, hey, we're creating this mindfulness and empathy video game with the Fortune 100 company and MIT. It's going to be played by 20,000 people around the world. Would you write, like to write the curriculum? And I went, of course, I'd like to write the curriculum. I, had I ever written a curriculum? No. <laughs> right. But whatever, you know, several factors. And I did have the word empathy in the subtitle of one of my books, and I think that was a big draw for them.
2: Okay, okay, so tell us a little bit more about this book that you wrote six and a half weeks. or you wrote it in three weeks?
3: <laughs> three weeks. Yeah, so um, it's called Influence with a Heart: um, How to be a Better Leader and Communicator by using more empathy, story, and thought leadership. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, thank, thank you, and, and basically I just, you know, I stayed really tight to the, uh, you know, to that title and subtitle throughout the book and I just unpacked it bit by bit and, you know, just uh, showed, reminded people, you know, of very straightforward things like connect with people, talk to people, listen to them, understand what they need, find out how you can help them, help them, right? And then, you know, what I often will tell people Right? Because sometimes people hear about empathy, they're like, how do I do that? I don't know, you know, it sounds sounds complex. And I say, very simple, ask people to share their stories with you and share your story with them, right? And then you're creating, I think I called it at some point, reciprocal empathy, right? <laughs> right? So stories being the key to all of it because stories are really one of the oldest forms of human communication, you know, even before the cave paintings.
2: Absolutely. Um, I want to bring Catherine into our conversation, but before I do, I'm going to press on your memory here. Um, I would love to for you to share a moment when either you saw like a light bulb moment for one of your clients, like they really understood the power of empathy, or some transformational moment for one from one of your clients.
3: Oh gosh. (laughs) Um, So one of my clients wrote a book called Being Brown in a Black and White World. Mm-hmm. Right. So she's a DEI consultant, DEI, I forget all the, the other letters the first in there.
2: Diversity, equity, and inclusion.
3: <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. And there, then there's a few more on the end of it now, depending on who you're talking to. But anyway, she wrote a book called Being Brown in a Black and White World, right? Because, you know, she's mi- mi- mixed race person. Um, she came to one of my events you know, after writing the book, uh, just as a guest, and <laughs> She said she got on the got on the video with everybody. She says Ben, I got to tell you the story. I just found this out. She's like somebody at Google read my book, and they asked me to come speak, and they're going to pay me. She had no idea who the person was, no relationship whatsoever, right? And somebody found her book and brought her in the mix, right? So you know the 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 level of dream you know that she wanted to achieve, you know without necessarily specific direction toward, you know, the Google outcome. And, you know, her heart actions, you know, persistence and intention were all in the right directions. And that's what came up for her.
2: Uh, those are the moments when it just really makes your work. I mean, you feel how much it matters to others. So congratulations.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much. And, and congratulations to her
2: yeah absolutely absolutely Catherine I know you're chomping at the bit to ask questions so I want to invite you to do that
0: <laughs> I mean my biggest challenge is which one I have so many but I think the one I'm going to be selfish the one I want to really know the answer to the most is you know they say that we teach what we need to learn and I'm imagining writing the book writing a book is very similar and you've said that you need to go to your ideal clients where they want to hear, but how would you talk to somebody that says, Hey, I want to write a book, but it's really what I need to hear. I need to do this for myself. I need to figure this out through my own journey. So what would you say to that?
3: Yeah, thank you. So I think every, everybody that I've helped with their books has said that in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so important for, you know, people who are experts and authorities and thought leaders, right. Who want to make an impact. Like they need to tell their story, they want to tell their story and they recognize the efficacy of telling their story, right, because it gives their audience, their reader, their listener an opportunity to connect. Like we're back to the empathy, right? Um, And I say absolutely a thousand percent and you can't just write a book because you know stuff and put it out there and expect things to happen, right? Um, If anybody remembers Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner, right? If you build it, they will come. Absolutely not. Right, I've that. It that. <laughs> that won't work with your book. Right? I mean, maybe if you have a tremendous following, sure, right? But otherwise, right, that does not work with your book. So I say to people, you know, yes, tell your story. Yes, share your expertise and talk to your ideal clients about the book you're writing so you can have the lens through mm-hmm. which to present the book, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you rock up and say, hey, this is what you need, People are like, I don't need Jack. Don't talk to me, right? Mm-hmm. But if you meet people at what they want, get them in the door, then give them what they need. That's where the magic
0: happens. I love that. Yeah, I've heard sell them what they want, give them what they need, kind of a thing. You know, so yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. I'm. I have more questions, but I I want to open it up. I don't want to be terribly selfish. So let's <laughs> open it up to the group and see what else is out there. This has been awesome, Ben. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Too.
2: Hey, Tom. Tom.
1: Uh, good morning, uh, Ben. Thanks for joining this is, this is This is really brilliant. inspiring. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I want to ask you, you know, on empathy and compassion. And I think your Stanford story right in the book may touch on this. I, I've always been curious, um, you know, group level or even like strategic empathy. You know, it's a concept that I've heard versus like one-on-one, you know, individual relationship level. Uh, How do you approach like group level empathy versus, you know, at the individual level? I think if I heard you correctly, you're talking about Stanford um, and the book you wrote with, you know, storytelling and thought leadership. It seems to touch on this broader type group, but I, but how do you think of, you know, group level empathy? Uh,
3: So in essence, you know, try to approach it the same way, right? That a group is a bunch of individuals Right. So, you know, we hear in marketing and communication, right. Try to talk to the event individual, right. Try to write your book to the individual. So that's one part of it. Um, some of it is uh, tactically. Uh, let me use the, um, the training at Stanford for an example. Uh, I worked a bunch with the event planner uh, before the event to really understand about the audience. Right. So, you know, I grilled the heck out of her multiple times, <laughs> right? I had her filling out forms, you know, really, really understood what was going on. And I mean, I had her going back to the, you know, the, the, the core company. So as much as I could glean from the front end, you know, I, I did um, at the end of the event, I had a pretty uh, comprehensive survey, right, to my uh, to my audience, you know, to understand as much as I could you know, about them, about the experience. And, you know, throughout the event, I just tried to be as responsive as I could be to to the audience. And, you know, for me, when I teach stuff, I'm all about, you know, throwing people in breakout rooms or groups, right? Having them share and then having them come back in the room and having them share in the group with me. Right. So to give you know that opportunity for hearing and listening you know, among the group and then giving people the opportunity, uh, you know, in, in their speaking and unpacking, you know, to find find what they need to find. Cause sometimes people got to talk a little bit before they get to the nugget for themselves. Right. And then by time hopefully we're back in the room, then I'm <laughs> I have a really, really good sense of you know what's happening for those people right now, you know, it could be a big thing, it could be a little thing, but I will then try to move some of my understanding, you know, into the next segment or something that I say, so I'm, you know, I have a, a notepad, <laughs> you know, on the podium with me as well, and I'm just, you know, talk about this, remind this, you know, say this story, right, I'll think of a story that might be applicable, so um, I, I really appreciate this question, because, you know, I'm going to think more about the about that too but how about for now i think that's what i do
1: <laughs> okay yeah no that's really good yeah that research and trying to really understand the audience as best you can i yeah i think that yeah that's great insight thank you pleasure thank you
2: this makes me wonder too as i, as I imagine you in an event setting with breakout groups and working with folks um do you have any specific strategies for how you help your audience to keep the transformation and the learning alive once you're gone
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, So, uh, we do a lot of hands on stuff during the event, right? So, a lot of writing, you know, a lot of workshopping, if you will. It doesn't necessarily have to be great lengths, but, you know, how do we integrate the stuff, you know, on paper, right? The whole, uh, you know, hand to brain connection or hand to brain connection, (laughs) depending on how people are doing it. Um, The feedback and the breakouts and the reflection and sharing. You know, is a great way to just kind of reinforce and reaffirm and have people witnessed in you know their discoveries. Um, as I mentioned before, uh, at the end I do a pretty comprehensive you know, f- feedback form survey, if you will. But you know, a lot of it is geared. Um, a lot of it doubles as a reflection on the event. You know, what did you learn? What's your biggest takeaways? Those kinds of things. Um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, on the uh, the back end, back end you know, I, I encourage, strongly encourage <laughs> um, people to, you know, take that next step, right? Whether it's come write a book, get the book done, get it published, get a podcast, you know, do the podcast, whatever makes sense. Because, um, you know, I was, a, I was a hospice volunteer for three years in San Francisco, about 10 years ago, you know, and one of the biggest regrets of the dying, right, of the top five is like, I, you know, essentially, I didn't take my shot doing the thing. And um, we have no idea Like I don't know if I'm gonna make it till tomorrow. I mean, I think so. I hope so, (laughs) but there's really no guarantee. So, you know, what can we do now as soon as possible? You know, um, you know, get, you know, for example, I say to my authors, you know, get your book done as quickly as possible, but don't rush,
2: right? Take your but don't go crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I I as you know, am writing a book. Um and I think we're going on three years here, but I'm close. So you and I are going to talk about that soon. I can't wait. <laughs> um, we are close to the end of time. Let's see, taking the opportunity to share one more time that I am writing a book within one year. Oh, that's from Andrea in the chat. Awesome. Yes, uh, that's fantastic. Um, Andrea, Ben is uh, moving soon to Spain. So you can, uh, if you guys connect, you guys can also that's communicate awesome. in Spanish. <laughs> fantastic Fantastic. yeah well i will search you out and connect you in linkedin of course yes wonderful um before we run out of time i do want to ask you i know you talked about an upcoming event and also a gift you wanted to share so i'm going to have my happy fingers ready with the chat and you talk to us
3: uh thank you so so real quick uh thank you for letting me share both of these um uh, first weekend of November 3rd, 4th, and 5th is the Podcast and Book Roadmap, uh, literally podcast and, book.com. and it's all around you know, basically standing out as a thought leader using a podcast or book, you know, how um, simple and straightforward it really is, you know, if there is a plan and you do the right thing, so we uh, map out the plan um, and also have some guest speakers who are teaching about podcast themselves about the publishing process and the right choices to make um, about TV talk shows, which is, which are essentially things like this, right? Um, so that event is fantastic.
2: Sorry, but, I'm not sure I typed it in correctly. Is it just podcast and book.com?
3: Yes, you are correct. Thank you.
2: Okay. <laughs> let me try this one more time.
3: Yeah, you did it. Um, so yeah, so w- wonderful event, uh, great speakers, great content and Fabulous opportunities for networking and, you know, very, I've talked a lot about, you know, hands-on workshopy stuff. We we go deep in there. So uh, you will be- And it's
2: virtual, right?
3: It is virtual. Thank you.
2: And is it all day, every day or?
3: A couple hours on Friday, optional gathering, and then just six hours each Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Right? So a very Excellent. reasonable case, right? So yeah. we can still, still have some rest on our weekends.
2: All right. Yeah. Um, 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 thank you, Ben. Go ahead. One of our tenants is uh, giving. And I know you said you had something special to give as well.
3: I do. Thank you. So uh, testimonials, book reviews, right? LinkedIn reviews. It's really good to have social proof, right? Other people talking about how cool you are, how wonderful you are, right? Um, So if y'all aren't doing this, you know, make sure you're getting testimonials from people. You'd be like, well, Ben, you know, I try to get testimonials and people don't do them or they don't do a good job, blah, 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 blah. Um, the gift is a template for testimonials. So you write the testimonial, right? Yeah. You send it to the person and you say, hey, I'd love a testimonial. I know you're super busy. I wrote this on your behalf. Could you either bless it, edit it, or write your own?
0: Oh, I love
3: that. Yeah, yeah so because most of the time people do honestly want to help and then they just get caught up in all the business, right? So make it easy for them. And I'll I'll put this. I'll put the link in the chat here.
2: Oh, great! Thank you.
3: My pleasure. My pleasure. It's it's bookreviews.cc, right? So bookreviews.cc.
2: All right. Thank you very much. So, if you have any last words, then we're going to close us out.
3: Uh, Thank Thank you. Um, I would just say, uh, if you're not already doing it, smile as much as you can throughout your day because it will change your life.
2: Oh, I didn't see that coming. I love that. Thank you. We are so grateful for you. I am going to close us out until next time. Thank you. Daily Huddlers. Thank Thank you, Ben. Thank Thank you so much.
4: At the daily huddle, we agree that the best way to kick off the day is to adhere to Patty Dabrowski seven principles for having a happy body, sexy skin, a laughing spirit and a rewarding life. give, give of your time your full attention and of your unique talents move move your body to keep it feeling energized and alive eat mostly plants plants are the purest fuel to help you reach your full potential each day sleep sleep is how the body repairs itself and readies us to give us our best every day stress less According to John Perkins, stress is just a problem without a solution. Choose your solution and dismiss the stress. Laugh, laugh out loud. From your belly to your chest and with your head tossed back, you will fire up your endorphins and bring more energy to everyone around you. Love, most of all love. With your words, your thoughts, your actions, power them with love and watch the way you experience life elevate to all it can be. We thank you for joining us on The Daily Huddle. We are a growing tribe of passionate professionals seeking to inspire a new generation of leaders. Until next time, go out and share your unique ability to impact the world. See you next time.